G'day, cave dwellers. All this and more on This Week in Retro. <laughs> high resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Orpheus 2 Electric Boogaloo. Chris is in the cave. And a modern C64 operating system. All this and more coming up on This Week in Retro. Up to date news for out of date tech. Well, after our um, fantastic visit from John last week, our virtual visit and a catch up with John, look who's in the cave. It's hey. Chris. He's come <laughs> all the way. The fake Australian has come all the way back to his homeland. Um, we'll talk more a little bit um, about his visit because I'm so excited to have Chris here today. <laughs> I've actually made him my story for the show this week. So I'm honored. I'm excited to be here. Seriously, it's the other way around. Yeah, so really we appreciate um, your time. Yeah. We, we've spent the morning with a GoPro, haven't we? Yeah. We, I, Despite it just being me and Chris here, we fired the whole cave up just like a, a public day so we could get the full experience. And we've got some footage of that and we'll chat about that a bit later. Um, what else have I got to tell you about monitor stands? I know it's not the most exciting subject, but um, here's a picture that I've sent to Duncan. Hopefully you can pop it up on the screen. I've made 10 of these and um, I've made these because I used to have one as a kid and I just wanted to recreate that thing because I couldn't find the exact one that I used to have. Um, and I think they look superb. And um, I made 10 and I think I'm probably going to use all 10 around the cave. Um, the idea was to make some extra to sell, but uh, I'm, I'm rapidly using them around the cave. And I'm sure plenty of our listeners and viewers actually had a stand like this, if not uh, exactly like this back in the day. Uh, did you have them, Dave? I remember those stands, they make me think of BBC Micros. The big yes. thick metal with a paint on it. Yeah. That's what they look like. They look like BBC Micro stands. I remember um, the setups used to have with a monitor sitting on that stand with the two drives underneath it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've seen the stands. The stands look great. Um, they're, they're, are they custom cut to suit to exactly suit an Amiga? They're custom cut exactly for an Amiga 500, but oh. they just they work around other machines. But if you want to line the floppy drive up perfectly, then the, the yeah. hole in the side is for the 500. Um, yeah, and and actually, it's the second revision. The first one we did, I think it was like three mil thick, and it was perfect until about Saggy. two or two or three months mm. in, and then I just noticed there's a little bit of a sag on it. So uh, I think we've taken it up to six mil or something. This is super thick stuff. This is by once thick. Buy once, buy for life. Um, doubles as a good weapon or a shield as well. So anyway, I'm, I'm quickly uh, slipping into a sales pitch here. So <laughs> let's move on. Uh, the other thing that's been exciting this week in the cave has been uh, being able to reveal the arcade. So by the time this show goes out, there should be an episode on RMC where I walk around with Alex, who's running the arcade, and show off the space. I've shown Chris it today and told him about our plans. And um, everyone can get excited about the fact that an arcade is coming to the mill here. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen you and Richard uh, in scrubbing the arcade and trying to prepare the room and so on. It's going to be great. I mean, Alex seems as if he, know, he knows what he's talking about. I've seen uh, behind the scenes pictures of cabinets and so on, and you told me what's coming and so on. So it's yeah. it, it's going to be fantastic. Exciting. Not being without its problems. I mean, Alex today, it's the third time in a week that his van has broken down. The poor guy, he's bought a new clutch oh. for it. Uh, something else he had to buy for it. He spent over a thousand pounds in the last week, and, and and it's just broken down again with an arcade in the back of it. So hopefully you can get that sorted soon. Oh. But uh, yeah, the uh, the trials and tribulations of trying to open an arcade. We, we will overcome it. 
Yeah. How's you your week been, You need Dave? to be careful with your time. My week's been uneventful. Uh, nothing much has happened at all for me. I'm still playing around with these old PCs, trying to get them all sorted out. The one you see behind me in the floor there is oh, the... Oh, I see, yeah. Tower. Yeah, it's the Windows XP one. It's the, the Core 2 Duo one, which I put a new motherboard in because I wanted to have two Velociraptors in RAID 0. Uh, so oh, now I've got okay. that running. Um, I hope you've got that reason. backed up. No, no. Oh, living on the system. edge. <laughs> no, I, I found out if I get it right, I can install an operating system in like half an hour while I'm sitting next to it, so it's fine. So I'm happy to reinstall them all day long. Okay, okay. Yeah. Living on the edge with your striped hard drives. Uh, Chris, last time we spoke, uh, we had an update from you in your sick bed. Yes. Um, you, you've made a full recovery. Yep. Uh, as as has my mother who uh, also caught it off me so <laughs> not the best of holidays but it's it's yeah back on track now yes. um yes it's, it's been good but obviously a lot of things i would have liked to have done like try and visit some retro shops around the uk and stuff like that i haven't been able to do but as you saw i picked up a heap of spectrum games that's great also picked up a cd32 very unexpectedly from chrissy which are very oh chrissy baps yes yes excellent bargain price the only reason i bought it because one of those things i don't need one but when somebody offers you one at the right price, you go, well, I'm, I'm just going to be an idiot if I don't take that and take yeah. that back with me. So stuff like that. But I did bring a couple of gifts for yourself oh, as well, okay. Neil. So all the way from Australia. These aren't actually from me. These are from Graham from the Commodore Cave. Oh, okay. Another, yeah. Another Commodore YouTuber. Um, Thank you, Graham. Um, we had Graham on here, didn't we, on the show at one point? No, no, no we haven't. We will have Graham on the show in the future. That's we right. Had, and you, I knew we, had, we, we had, were trying um, to get Graham on the Oz show. Oz Retrocom. That's who we had. That's, That's right. Yeah. yeah, a true Aussie. And Graham, <laughs> is, Graham is also a true, uh, yeah, true blue, as they say. Um, so get into that. And while, while Neil gets into that, I've also bought, I bought three of these, Dave. There's one of these with your name on it. Because, you know, oh, if you come wait. from another country, you could bring something really interesting or you could do the tacky tourist gift from the local tourist shop. So obviously it's the latter. So um, a bottle opener from the Perth Hills, oh, which fantastic. is the area I live. These are these are handcrafted, handmade. They're actually quite weighty, actually. So there's one for, one for Neil, one for Duncan and one for yourself. Um, so there you Thank go. you very much. Bit I've got my present. own uh, Commodore Cave mug. It says Commodore Cave on one side for our audio listeners. Um, it's got his lovely face and there's a CD32 hiding behind him and some other uh, Commodore things. Um, and there's a slip of paper. It says 10 YouTube years, 2000 subscribers, 10 questions and two prizes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I do love a mug. So thank you very much for that. And we've got another one here. Um, there's also mention on the side of the box of the Perth, uh, the PAU group, the Perth Amiga user oh, group. I'm glad you've mentioned that, actually. Okay. Because pretty much everybody from the group says, make sure you say hi to Neil for me. <laughs> so names that do stand out, um, Shane, who lives very close to me, um, Nick, Matt, Dave, um, to name a few, but basically anybody in the Perth Amiga users group is a huge awesome. fan of your work. Shane, so, Nick. They're very Matt. jealous. Nick or Nick, was it? Nick. Nick, yeah. Matt. Dave, Perth Amiga Group. Hello, and thank you so much. Hello back to you. Um, the second box is another Commodore Cave mug. So I've got two Commodore. I can double double fist with the Commodore Cave there with my <laughs> with my coffee. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, and this is uh, this is a real um, tourist yeah present. This is this is perfect. It's actually yeah, very weighty. Is, you could throw that at somebody. And this is a bottle damage. opener. Can I ask says, you? Go on. Can I ask you to post mine to me the next time you're sending me something? 
Yeah, of please. course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perth Hills, Western Australia bottle opener. There you I go. Mean, and they're handcrafted. Lovely. So they're all unique, except all the ones I bought are exactly the same. The little magnet stick that <laughs> in the fridge when I'm ready for a cold one. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much. And we'll talk more about Chris's visit here um, uh, in, in, a, in a, a little bit later today in the story that we've got lined up. Uh, but I think we should probably get stuck into the news. What do you think, Dave, with your first story? Yeah, let's go. So first story, um, last month we talked about the launch of a new ISA sound card, which is the MK8330 from Marmies and Kiropi. It's a very competent DOS and Windows kind of 95, 98 card that, that ticks, most, ticks most of the boxes. It does sound great and it's fairly affordable and I bought one. It's not the first card that these guys have made. They also made a card that came out two years ago called the Orpheus. And Orpheus is a, is a Greek bard who traveled with Jason and the Argonauts. And I absolutely <laughs> loved the stop motion skeletons from the film as a kid. Do you remember that? Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Every Christmas it was on all Great. Boxing Day, yeah. wasn't it? And it seemed to go for yeah, as well. The older you got, the more obviously janky that animation was or out, out of date it looked. <laughs> but it still, you know, it still gave you the creeps when you saw those skeletons on yeah. the cliff tops. Yeah. Well, I, I looked, um, I went down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole, looked at YouTube, and someone has improved the animations for it and turned it into 120 frames a second animation so you can <laughs> no, see a YouTube video of these skeletons <laughs> looking smooth and I don't even know if it's any better. There was something about the, the, the stop motion movement of the skeletons that seemed unnatural that helped. Um, anyway, I, I don't think the card has much to do with these at all. Um, <laughs> now, the, ori <laughs> the original card could have been described as the ultimate retro sound card. And if you look back at, at, at your video, Neil, because you reviewed it two years ago, yeah. um, you can see that you were very impressed with it. Very um, feature rich card. It does everything you wanted. Yeah. You know, there's a lot on there. Wasn't cheap though. So, but, um, no. Feature rich. Yeah. So the, the original card is three things together. It's a crystal CS4237B which gives you Sound Blaster, Sound Blaster Pro, and Windows Sound System. And it also includes a real Yamaha OPL3. Now, that's the, the proper Sound Blaster synth sound that so many of us grew up with um, before Creative went cheap and tried to cut corners with emulation and the Viber chips and then even worse, the software drivers. Now, in the earlier games, earlier days of DOS gaming, the pinnacle of music, and we've said this before, is the, the MT32 synthesizer from Roland. Uh, and these days we do have the amazing project from Dale or Dopefish, the MT32 Pi, which does the mm -hmm. MT32 as well as later General MIDI. So that's your, your Monkey Island, your Loom, King's Quest 4 and other Sierra games of that vintage, Lands of Lore, X-Wing, Ultima 6, etc. Um, and many of these games relied on something called Intelligent Mode, which you didn't get on a Sound Blaster or compatible MIDI card. Uh, intelligent mode is a way of communicating with the MT32 to make adjustments. Um, Roland produced the card that you needed to do that, uh, a 401, uh, but they're wildly expensive. Now, if you can even find one, they're hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Before Kuropi and Marmies made the Orpheus, they made a the, the card called the PC MIDI, which is a full intelligent MIDI ISA card. And with it, you can get the MT32 sound from a PC sounding just perfect. And that's the last thing that was included in the Orpheus. So you have the Sound Blaster, Sound Blaster Pro and Windows Sound System, and on top of that, a real OPL3, and finally, 
um, an MPU 401. So that, yeah, and, that and, pretty... and you, you do need that MPU 401. I mean, do you remember the um, Amstrad Mega PC that I upgraded with the Mega Card, yes. the modern Mega Card? Yeah. Well, um, I hooked up an MT32 to that, and it was it was just off. It worked, but it was just off. You get bum notes and strange instruments playing. Yeah. And then an upgrade was released, a uh, MIDI card with MPU 401 was released to go on top of the mega card. As soon as I put that in, everything just fell into place. And it's yeah. one of the showpieces here when people come, I'll fire up Monkey Island, it will come out of that MT32 and it sounds fantastic. So, but it all hinges on that MPU 401. It's really important. Yeah. 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 So I have an Orpheus as well. It's great. It's... um. um it's fantastic, but they've gone better than the Orpheus. They've just announced the Orpheus 2. But before I go on to explain the differences, um, what about the Orpheus, Neil? Is it is it in the cave? Oh, man. An Orpheus, the Orpheus 2. I thought we'd got past the need to upgrade everything and keep up with the times <laughs> as, as retro lovers. It's and now, obsolete. Now, obsolete. <laughs> now they're upgrading the Orpheus to the Orpheus 2. How am I supposed to keep up? Um, yeah, the Orpheus is still very much here. It's in the compact Pentium Tower PC that I've got here. Um, which is out for people to play on. They can play on that one. There's SimCity 2000, Theme Hospital, Carmageddon, all that kind of era of games on there. And it's as impressive today as it was when I reviewed it. I'm very, very happy with that card. It's it's really as great, yeah. Yeah, I need to find some more time to play games on it. spend far too much time tinkering. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Orpheus 2 has some improvements to the implementation. You can now use... The OPL3 in Windows, thanks to some hardware changes that allow the OPL3 to be detected as an OPL3, which was something that never happened with original Crystal cards. But the main thing is an amazing addition to it. A full Gravis ultrasound has been integrated into the card. So it's the (laughs) Gravis ultrasound plug and play. That's the later Gravis card, not the classic, although they are fully compatible. They've added the whole card to the Orpheus through the... uh, new old stock AMD inter interwave chips, which is the chip that's used in the in the, the plug and play Gravis, so it's the original chip, um, and that means you can do everything that a, a Gus card can do. Um, so it means you could have the imperfect MIDI implementation and the the janky driver based sound blaster sound if you wanted to. I mean, it's there, but you, we don't want that. We've got that through the Orpheus already through the other parts, but what it does add is real. Gravis ultrasound uh, support, so native support for the games that did it, and of course the demos. And it even has a SIM slot, so you can add memory up to 16 megabytes into the card. It's a big card too, and I like the ISA card. So, so, the, um, the, so that memory would be used for the wavetable to add more yes. instruments for the gas, yeah. so you can make yeah. it sound, yeah. 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 The standard oh, the nice. standard sound bank, I think, is one megabyte, but you can have up to up to a 16 megabyte one in there, so um, you can enhance it. But yeah, the, the Gravis ultrasound, the Gravis is, we've talked about the Gravis before, it's the... Yeah, um, yeah there was that the, other project the, the, we talked about recently, yeah. wasn't there, where Pigus. the... Pigus, that's it. <laughs> that's the one. But yeah, the thing that we talked about with the Pigus and and a great project project it is, and that will give you, um, you, you know, an ultrasound card. But we talked about the shortcomings of ultrasound, as you touched on there, which is that it did do Sound Blaster compatibility, but it was all through a um, a memory resident software driver, which uh, wasn't wasn't great. So here you've got the best of both worlds. You've got you know you can drop into Sound Blaster mode if you want, or you can go to Gus or whatever. That's fantastic. Yeah. God, I need and it. As, as far as <laughs> as far as I understand, uh, if you if you're using this card in DOS, which is the best place to use it, if you're using this card in DOS, oh, yeah. 
you can have batch files set up to configure the card and so on before it goes into games so that you do get exactly what you want from the card. Um, so I, I think it's the, it's going to be perfect and I'm, I'm going to order one even though I know it's going to be expensive. Um, now, Chris, I know that you were, you were tempted by the MK8330 card. What do you think about this one? Yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, the reason why I was tempted by the other one is because it was fairly cheap, you know, compared to buying certain other cards. And the more these sort of modern recreations cost less than chasing the original hardware, it just makes sense. You know, the the card sits inside a machine. It's not like you're going to look at the color of the PCB and the original logo. It doesn't matter to me. Um, So recreations are great. But for me, it does come down to price. I do like to do this hobby on a budget. Um, so, you know, what's this thing going to cost? But the more you've just explained it and and I've listened to you both chatting about it, it does sound almost like one card to rule them all. So even it if is, it is more yeah. expensive, then that kind of pays for itself. So, but yeah, what's it going to cost, I guess, is my question. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if I'd call Karopi Sauron, but uh, yeah, one, one card to rule them all. It's not going to be cheap. Um, <laughs> It's not going to be cheap at all. It, it's definitely the most full-featured sound card you can get. In fact, the original Orpheus was probably the most full-featured sound card you get, and this one's gone a lot further. Um, Dave, you can find um, out more information. Sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. Dave, but none of this is FPGA-based, is it, on this card? No, no. Yeah. It's all real. Um, wow. Uh, the, the crystal part includes the, the real OPL3, yeah. uh, mm. and it's, it's the AMD interwave, um, so that the whole thing is 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 authentic. I don't know if if there's anything left for them to do as far as real sound cards are concerned, and once the chips run out, they simply can't make them unless they find a new box of new old stock chips. So it may be that FPGA is eventually where things go, well, tell with, us the price um, on this thing, and I'll just give you a few more thoughts on that. Go on. How so, much is this? Um, it's not sure yet. It, it depends on uh, depends on component cost. The old components are bought in, but modern components are the same as everything now. It's difficult to get, but they're thinking between 300 and 350 euros. So not cheap mm, at all, I'm wow. afraid. Yeah, mm. it's pretty premium. Yeah, I can't help but think longer term that um all of these things are going to shift to fpga and mm. i'm looking forward to that but there's just there's no availability of those chips at the moment so that's why it's not happening nope. so this is the only way you're going to get this kind of thing at the moment unless you just happen to have a warehouse of fpga chips you've been hanging on to or you go down the pie route again they're in short supply now as well so um 300 to 350 i would put that in the category of very dedicated retro mm. collector and those who buy it, I'm sure they're going to be happy with it. But it's not an impulse decision for the casual you know, Amiga Mini <laughs> type collector. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think unlike the the rest of the sound card purchases you might make at that price, this is by far the most uh, usable one. I mean, you could, if you buy an Adlib Gold, which is even more expensive, it's a very niche card. Uh, if you mm. buy an, an original Gravis Ultrasound mm. of some kind, then... It's great, but only in certain circumstances. And even if you if you if you try and get a sound a sound blaster, then sound blaster's got problems with MIDI implementation and hanging notes and all the rest of it and clipping and so on. So, I think this is the answer. At least for the the money that you pay, you get you get your money's worth. But yeah. it's a lot of money to pay. None a of this big, is necessary. It can uh, all be done in emulation. A big pro of the Orpheus, I remember from the review, is that the software and the drivers that are written for it just hang so nicely off of it. You know, you're not having to use 
um, jumpers and and reset the machine to get it into the mode you want or anything. You just type in a command line um, and it does exactly what you need it to. You stick something in the auto exec to initialize it, you know, like you did with many of the old cards, but you're not hunting around for some specific old driver that you just can't find yeah. to, to get your card working it all just works nicely so yeah you pay a premium but you get a premium experience out of these things and um yeah looking forward to seeing some reviews on it keep an eye on their website pcmidi.eu um they're expecting to release in late autumn or winter um again it depends on components and so on there's the new components for it are difficult to obtain and there's prices going up and so on and it'll only be on sale while the stock of the amd chips last so once they're gone they can't make any more chips so keep an eye on the website for more info so this isn't really a story but it is kind of a big deal for us which is that chris has returned to his native england to see family and uh, he's taken some time out to visit the cave um having come from his family over at the royal tunbridge wells that's right correct <laughs> royal, yes <laughs> and uh get the royal it wasn't without drama of course because um you know he, he had to spend part of his trip isolating and we saw a video of that last week uh, but now he's he's out of isolation and he's back here with us now for those watching on video and we will try to describe this on the audio only listeners uh for them as well um i grabbed a camera and chris and i walked around the cave which hopefully will be up on the screen now now this isn't an advert for the cave i must say I, i'm just genuinely excited to have chris here and to be able to show him around and things like that um and you can see him here uh, you started off by playing on some of the systems in the hands-on area. Uh, Master system, was it? You were no, I jumped on the SNES, SNES first of all, F-Zero. Um, yeah, great game. One of the games that made me want a SNES back in the day, which is why I bought one. Mm -hmm. And then I believe I jumped onto Kung Fu Master, mainly because that jumped out at me on, the, on your FPGA-based arcade cab because I recently played the Spectrum version again for the first time in goodness knows how many decades and it's, I'd never played the arcade port, so mm -hmm. that was that was cool. Much easier on the arcade, I found, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we wor worked our way down the systems. Uh, you said something not very complimentary about the Atari ST as we passed it. <laughs> I think it. I waved my hand at it. Oh, shocking. Absolutely <laughs> shocking, Dave. Um, had a little go on uh, IndyCar racing with the steering wheel and the pedals. That was good fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, he, actually he, he was it wasn't bad at that game I mean I, he was doing 45 miles an hour in fifth gear I didn't know um, what the speed limit was <laughs> just sort of pootling around the track <laughs> but okay it's fine um, and then a game of Galaxian yeah uh, didn't too do bad. too badly on that well you were, do, you were doing very well until I said you're not doing badly yeah and then, and then just I just lost all repeatedly. my lives <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we went into the retro recreated shop and we did Ooh. some shopping, Dave, and we've got some of the things we bought here. So uh, you scanned the uh, the 8-bit section first of all, didn't you? I did. I had a quick look through and the game I picked up from there is not so much because this is actually the Spectrum version of Echelon. Um, I'll hold that up to the camera. I Tell us why say, you picked this one out. Um, because... I actually had the Amiga version, and I don't know, it might be a blurred memory, but I swear the box was slightly bigger for the Amiga version. That might be wrong, but it is a game that I bought for the Amiga back in the day from Megabytes, purely on I the box art. I think Amiga owners bought games. <laughs> Watch it. But purely on the box art. One of those, you know, purchasing, you've got your pocket money, you're going to buy a game, you're not sure what it was. 
And just that box art just stood out to me, and it was like, gotta have it. Cool spaceship. It looks like a wireframe. It is elite style game. Is sort it sort of a bit of buyer's regret once I got it back? But oh. it's you had to spend time with it and sort of get into it. In all honesty, it's that long ago. I haven't played it since. I need to have another poke at it. Right. But it was yeah, quite so that hard went to in get our into. shopping basket. Yep. And then you picked out another game, which I haven't actually played, which is yeah. Requiem Avenging Angel. I certainly did pick out some niche titles. So again, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but it's a, it's an FPS. Um, it's sort of got, a, I guess, a sort of biblical undertone to it, if you like, because you're playing an Avenging Angel. Um, but it has, I, I count it as being the first game to feature bullet time, because one of the um, one of the powers that you develop is the ability to slow down time which you, of course, used to dodge bullets and stuff. And it does it really well. And it did that, I think, as a full year before Max Payne did bullet time. It's 1999 on the back yeah. of the box here. Yeah. yeah. Um, great. Really underrated first-person shooter. I actually really like that game and played that through to completion back in the day on the PC. Um, yeah, really cool. 3D FX support. And we I, like that. I, I couldn't choose another game, so I actually went for a peripheral. Um, and I went for the best joystick ever made. <laughs> the Zipstick. Absolutely. And I, I call it that because it's the only joystick I failed to break back in the day. You get a thumbs up yeah. from Dave. I had one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know a funny thing about the Zipstick? I, there, was, there was an auction on eBay finishing. There was two finishing at almost the same time. Hmm. One was for two Zipsticks and one was for a, for a single Zipstick. So I ended up buying three Zipsticks on eBay <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> I had the Zipstick for my... I don't know if I had it for the CPC, but I certainly mm. had it for the ST. And like you said, it was the only one that had proper micro switches on it. The previous yeah. to that, I had the, the cheetah ones that had these little metal blisters. Yeah, yeah. And they would, they would, they would go on you, and they would. Uh, the joystick that goes in the bin of one of those goes. Yeah. Um, so the zip stick was great. It was also it wasn't trying to emulate a, a fighter pilot stick for a, a digital joystick, which was useless. So a great form factor. But I got these three on eBay, and they arrived. Mm. They all have different micro switches inside. Oh, so really? There isn't. There isn't. There isn't one zip stick that's the the, the real authentic zip stick we all had. <laughs> it was just better than the rubbish that we were used to. Yeah. And I, I've said before the the arcader joystick, which is the that's what I this go one for now. I'm yeah. holding up here. Yeah. Um, which is it's it, it's it's like a zip stick. It's more like a competition pro, but the competition pro and the zip stick are very similar. Yeah. It's a short short throw arcade style stick um with mines in atari st colors um to match the st but uh i think it's better than the old ones i i, yeah. I think perhaps the, the the nostalgic memory of these sticks is better than they actually are yeah um, i agree having said that the zip stick itself is fine there's nothing wrong yeah, with it the, compared the, to, the, certainly compared to a cheetah the competition pro when you open it up it's just got you know arcade micro switches in there so you can very easily service them and make them feel like new yeah um but yeah i like on the side of the box it says it comes with a 12-month guarantee and it's 90 percent british made so where, where the other 10 percent comes from <laughs> i don't know but it's 90 percent british so that's which part is not british i didn't realize it was british actually. by volume or by weight I by, don't by know. price yeah <laughs> must be all the moldings yeah. um while we were in the shop dave i couldn't go shopping and not pick you up a gift so uh, i I picked this for you. Um, oh, I know what that is. I got you a copy of X-Wing. There you go. Oh, yeah. I'm always happy playing that. It's such PC. a good game. Uh, 
Yeah, 1992, that's when this one was. It, was this before TIE Fighter, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter? That was yeah, the first yeah. one. Yeah, so yeah. X-Wing, then TIE Fighter, yeah. and then X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. That yes. game, the, the reason why that game is so good is because if you're, if you're anything like a Star Wars fan, if you enjoy the film, it yeah. really immerses you in the Star Wars thing. There's little cut scenes, there's the speech, the sound, you get the music going on. It's, um, it's a great uh, combat uh, I, I can't say flight simulator it's not really it's a great combat flying game but says, the whole star a... wars thing makes it oh yeah all the music and all the characters it says yeah. on the front it's a space combat simulator yeah it's yeah. so good yeah. it's so good i um, can't see if it says you can um play it with mouse dave but I yeah the, the so writing i have i have the final answer to this i have the final answer so um I said that what the boxes told me, and that's what I believed. I believed the boxes. It turns out that you could use a mouse in TIE Fighter, but not in the Windows re-release of it. Um, but it said in the box you couldn't. And when I got X-Wing, I struggled with the mouse. So yeah. I bought myself a Thrustmaster, which was a joystick, not anything else <laughs> if you're not aware. So I bought myself a Thrustmaster. Um, and by the time TIE Fighter came along, I had the Thrustmaster. It said in the box you needed to use a joystick. I never tried using the mouse, so I assumed the box was not lying to me, but it was a lie. It was a lie. And we're 86 shows into this podcast. We should be past the Thrustmaster giggling stage. But... <laughs> <laughs> never. No, no, it's not going to happen. It's always a joystick it? gag. Um, speaking of space combat simulators, a slightly different one, Wing Commander. Uh, Wing Commander 3 is a great, there's a great version of that on the 3DO. And I didn't know this existed until I was browsing eBay this week, but I picked up uh, an analog flight stick for the 3DO. Um, huh. So that's going to be fun to experiment nice. with when it arrives. Cool. I don't know what other games I might actually be able to play with it on an analog stick on the 3DO, but we'll soon find out. Yeah. So we had fun in the retro shop, and then we came out, and Chris had a browse through the magazines, and um, oh, he yeah. picked out a magazine. Um, it was is... hard. I, I, I was looking through the things like ones to try and... <laughs> it is. It's actually... <laughs> No, it's uh, Amiga format. Which issue is that? Issue 23, I Yeah, believe. it is from and June 1991. I mainly picked that one out because I, it actually has the cover discs attached, which is quite nice to actually two pair those up. Yep, two of them. Uh, and one of them is for 3D construction kit, which um, I, I you know remember having the demo from Amiga format and playing with is that, that the as much as it would one? let me. Yeah, Freescape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that being part of you know the sort of obsession with being able to create my own stuff that led me to purchasing the full version of that so demos do work um, and then later oh, something that's used not, it on the pc as so, well so i've just, just remembered something sorry we've talked a few times about the game that you were making for rich yeah um that was with rich shooter construction kit yeah rich showed me a picture of that it looks great he's delighted did he show you a picture of the back of the box no i'm not he hasn't mentioned it to me, and I'm not sure if he's noticed what I did. Let's just say there's a screenshot for the Amiga. And, of course, what did you have back in the day? You had screenshots for other systems. So I might have also mocked up a screenshot for the Atari ST, which oh. is just massive oh, no. pixels. It <laughs> 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 looks really bad. <laughs> so there Sorry. isn't actually an ST version. I just wanted to have a bit of fun. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's on the back of the box. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Well, if, if you paid £3.95 for this magazine back in June 91, which um, I would have done, I, I, I bought this every Two month discs. religiously. Easy. 
Two discs, Balance of Power, a complete £24.99 game. Uh, I seem to remember enjoying that Risk-type game. And then also, I I don't remember this, but on the other disc it says it has a utility called Hack Trick 60 Hertz, and it says, play any game 10% faster. I don't remember trying that. Might have to break open the cover disc. I was looking into that on on the ST, and the ST many machines many old machines you had a, a pal version an ntsc mm. the st doesn't have uh that is set by the roms you change the raw when you change the hertz and then most of the crack tools you press zero to change between them so uh, uh, um, maybe the amiga was the same were there ntsc amigas that were hardware different or is it just a, 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 a firmware yeah, yeah, setting you can boot and change in the setting ntsc and power but i don't know if it does everything apparently it doesn't it's not full yeah, at hardware, you know, the crystal would have been running at a different yeah. frequency mm-hmm. to get everything running nicely at NTSC. So, you know, for example, if you import an Amiga 1000, you can rip it open and do a, you know, a mod to change it to, to PAL, true PAL 50 hertz. Um, whether or not you'd want to do that or not, I don't know. But if you could switch between the two, that's nice. As you say, you can hold down the, the uh, mouse buttons. But maybe if a listener can tell us for sure if that does every part of it because i'm I'm, i don't i don't think it does i think it might might just be the screen resolution or something yeah rather than yeah the the inferior screen resolution it changes it to if you go ntsc um (laughs) (laughs) so there there we go we had a look at the magazines uh we also had a game of pool in the rec room um you are going to mention the game of pool (laughs) right so uh, i'd like some of our australian (laughs) listeners to clear something up because we had a game of pool uh, and chris tells me cheating no, no, Chris no, tells no. me that if you play pool and if you lose, and if you lose in such a way that you haven't potted a single ball, mm-hmm. in Australia, the rule is you have to drop your trousers and dance all the way around the table. Correct. Now, is this true or did Chris just want me to drop my trousers? <laughs> well, you didn't lose in that way, Neil. But <laughs> no, but you were, you were perhaps hoping that I would. No, right? no, I believe you me. I would have, <laughs> I would have wavered. The, uh, it's a thing. I promise you it's a thing. And when I was told it, I, was, I thought, no, they're pulling my leg until I saw it happen in a pub. And from that day <laughs> forward, if I... more than your leg. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I ever played pool in a pub from that day forward, I'm not even joking here, I would be nervous as anything until I potted my first ball and then I could relax into the game. That first ball was critical. I just wanted to know I could keep my pants. <laughs> all, that, all that I remember up here is just, we called it a granny and that's it. A granny? It's just a, a granny, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. We granny is failing to pot any balls. Yeah, we called I it a Dawson, but that was very local to a group of friends and we only saw Dawson. one guy that was that bad. And his name his was Nick Dawson, <laughs> and therefore we just called oh, it being yeah. Dawsoned, is, yeah, yeah. is what it was. Had a game of pool. Sorry, Nick. Uh, and, and then we, uh, and then we had Sorry, a uh, granny. <laughs> and then we had a head-to-head on GoldenEye on the N64, which, uh, as you've heard in previous shows, mm. Chris used to play an awful lot with his housemates, um, and uh, I think I beat you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> you think? Did we right. mention who won pool? Yeah, we did. I, I did win the pool game, yeah. So then uh, Chris had to drop his trousers and dance around the N64. Well, I did try slapping him to death. Um, I got confused. It's Natalia. Nikki usually plays as Natalia. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so that was our, that was our two morning. Things. Yeah. yeah two, two, two things I'd suggest you do this afternoon once we're finished. Um, get on the Vectrex. You must, must, must play the Vectrex, even just for a few minutes. The Vectrex is incredible. There's nothing else like the screen. Already and done. Have you? Have you? Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put your player on it. 
Well, uh, we've, we've Mark, got the- Mark stuff was telling me there's, there's, there's more stuff for it now. Uh, yeah, so we've got this um, cartridge for the Vectrex called Vec Fever. And what it does is it, it runs the original Vector arcade games through the Vectrex. So you're not mm-hmm. playing Vectrex games, you're playing the actual arcade ROMs of yeah. Star Wars, of Tempest. And I've got yeah. some custom controllers to go with it as well. It's just, I mean, yeah. it takes it up to the next level yeah. again. So I was playing yeah. Star Wars on it, and that was that was quite a trippy experience to be playing Star Wars arcade on a Vectrex. It was really weird. Yeah. yeah. The, screen, the screen's just incredible. The other thing I, want, I would suggest you do is, is sit in front of the big PVM uh, and play a couple of two-player games with Neil on the, on the Mister. It's great. Mm-hmm. I need to try out the Mister actually. Yeah, yeah. Seen the Go print on, room yet? Seen the, yes. the print yes. farm? Yeah, I went around the print room. Went to see where the arcade space is going to be as well. And yeah, yeah. really cool. I oh, played some Time Crisis as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. played some Time Crisis yeah. with the light gun. Yeah, And Outrun. I discovered I'm as bad at Outrun as I ever was, even though it's one of my favorite games of all time. Halfway through level two, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's been our morning. Uh, we'll go and grab some lunch after this local cafe and then play some more games, I expect. So there you go. It's a bit of a different story, but we could not talk about the experience of having Chris come to visit. And um, no doubt we'll have another update for you again next week about what we did with our afternoon. And I must say, I, I just really appreciate your time, Neil, because I know you've been flat out eight days straight. Oh, and so no to problem. still open up the cave, let me wander around. Really appreciated. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. So that's this week in Chris. Let's move <laughs> on to our next story. <laughs> For our next story, and before I go on to that, I should have said that the last story that Orpheus was submitted by Control Alt Reese based on an article on Retro RGB written by Vanicera. So, uh, a new operating system for Commodore 64 adds modern features, submitted by Pajaco6502. Now, either he was born on the, the 65th of February, <laughs> or he's talking about the MOS, the MOS 6502 CPU, which was on the C64, and the Apple II, the BBC, the Atari 2600, and various other Ataris, the NES, and loads of other systems. But it's the C64 that we're talking about today. There's an article from Hackaday, which discusses a new operating system for the C64, which links to a video. And it's called um, C64 OS, so it's not very inventive. Um, And the article says it squeezes everything it can out of the 8-bit processor and 64 kilobytes of memory. And it looks to me like it's right. Switchable worktop spaces, windows, icons, drop-down menus, revamp file system as well. It's from Gregory Naku, I've pronounced his name incorrectly. I do apologize for that, I'm sure. And he started the project in 2016. And if you watch his presentation, it starts with an app launcher and he shows you just how customizable it is. So for those of you who are listening, and I imagine Duncan will have some of this up on the screen, um, I'd like to think about a low resolution version of Windows 3, but with an ASCII instead of graphics. And that's probably what's the, the best way to describe it. What I wanted, what I had in the back of my mind when I watched the video, was how compatible it was. I wanted to find out if this would be a great way to run a Commodore 64, because I do have a Commodore 64, which I need to solder up because I bought the replacement motherboard, the 60 clone from Rob Taylor. Um, I want to know if this is the answer to the C64 for me. Is it going to be a great way to set up my C64 so that I can access games, etc.? The video didn't really mention games at all. I guess it's a little bit myopic of me because there's plenty of other things to do on the the C64 and all I can think about is games. Um, But the reason I want to know 
is that on an Amiga or an Atari ST, you can have things set up with PP disk images uh, with an Ultra Satan, so you can have a better experience. I think the, the Amiga does it with WHD mm -hmm. load games. Yeah. Um, so everything's patched up. Some games have on the ST Game X where you can take memory snapshots. Things are fixed for different configurations. Things are um, different memory amounts, different operating system versions, etc. And um, things work as a result. So I'm wondering, is this going to be the way that the C64 goes down there with this operating system? And I'm really off on a tangent because the video didn't talk about that at all, but that's what I was thinking about because I'm not really into using um, old productivity software, particularly on 8-bits. Well, yeah, really certainly on a C64. Who's using a C64 to do productivity? Yeah. I guess the main productivity people would do on a C64 in the modern day is programming games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Chris, I know your your main thing is the 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 Amiga. I think you've mentioned that once or twice. Um, so, how do you run your Amiga? Do you have more enhancements to the operating system? Do you have a launch system to make things easier, or are you a purist? Do you like it to be like it was in nineteen ninety? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. So, obviously, I've got two main Amigas at the moment, the A500, which doesn't have a hard drive. So, the question doesn't really come into play for that one. Um, I've got the original Workbench 1.3 disc that came with the with the box set. And, I've, of course, I've done the correct thing that it tells you to do, which is to make a backup copy. Mm -hmm. And the only enhancement, if you want to call it that, is I've tinkered with the colors. <laughs> you know, made it reds and blacks and grays and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's all moody. Um, but other than that, and, and same, I mean, in context of what we're talking about with cover discs and often you get workbench hacks and stuff like that on cover discs i never bothered with them I, I i don't know never never played with adding to workbench and making it better on the a500 mainly because of not having a hard disk there's not really any point um the a1200 that i've got that came with a already fully loaded compact flash card um, but it did come with because obviously you could there's, there's modern operating systems for the amiga as we all know um, and you have to upgrade the ROMs and stuff, but the machine has the correct ROMs for because it's a Commodore machine, not an SCOM machine. So it's the Kickstart 3.0 ROMs, and it has the Workbench 3.0 loaded, but it does have some Workbench enhancements preloaded as well. 3.0 is, is not the version it came with. Is that afterwards? No, 3.0 for, for the A1200 is, is the correct one for the Commodore one. Right. It was 3.1 okay. um, on the SCOM machines. Um, okay. But... Um, it does have some extra menus and stuff that are not standard to Workbench. So what I also have, I've purchased a, a fresh compact flashcard and, and a full set of original discs from Marvin Drugsma. So, because my intention is to, I'm not going to get rid of the compact flashcard that's already in it because it's got so much cool stuff on. Uh, it would take me ages to recreate that image. So I'll keep that, but I do want to go through the process of setting it up as standard, how it was, how it should have been uh, out of the box and just experience Workbench 3 in that way the one thing i would add back onto it though because i just think you have to have it in the modern day and that's whd load as you're as you've already mentioned um yeah. just fantastic way of, of installing games that weren't hard drive installable and enhancing yeah. them so that they work better on faster machines yeah yeah i i, I talk about this um, quite often but i i really struggle with a with a, a flash card or even an emulator with just a great big list of games, all yeah, the games yeah. you could have for a system. I'd really struggle with that. I think mm. it it makes everything feel a bit thin and transient, and you, you you flick between games. You don't look there. So I like the idea of of, of um, 
intentionally putting the game onto yeah. the system that I want. So copying the WHD load file across or the, the, the PP game across on the ST or creating the disc for the CPC or the C64 or something like that. So I I, I want to do it that way. I don't yeah. maybe not quite get down to exactly the way it used to be. I, I want some kind of corners uh, smoothed off, but I, I don't like just the whole big list of games. I think that takes a little bit away from it. It uh, makes now, it Neil, too easy. Have... Sorry, can I just... Yeah, 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 it makes it too easy. You know, it was the chase back in the day. What game did I want to buy? Then I'd, I'd dedicate three months to playing it because there was my pocket money. Whereas when you've got yeah. a thousand games on a compact flashcard, it's too easy. But swings and roundabouts as a content creator and if I'm in a high score challenge from a from a group yeah then it's great yeah. to just go well it's probably on the compact flashcard so there's yeah. sort of two sides to it yeah i know that my friend pillock i think it's all of our friends pillock he, he was telling me yesterday that um he if he's setting up an amiga he'll copy across a, a gigabyte of games onto it and not play any of them yeah but funny enough when he created a disc for lemmings he sat down and played it for an hour of course um so yeah. it, it makes a difference yeah. um now neil you've got lots of systems in the cave do you try to use the modern os enhancements to make things more easy or comfortable or do you think it detracts from the original experience for cave visitors well yes and no because it's very important for people that come here that they experience what they remember so uh they want that authentic experience however there are enhancements that make life a lot easier for me as well as for them when they come here so for example on the amiga 600 uh, i'll stick on tiny launcher so that as soon as Workbench loads, that auto starts and you just get a list of games. They use the joystick, they hit the fire button and a game runs. So they don't need to be, you know, trawling through folders or, you know, even see Workbench. They can, if they want, they can hit escape and drop back to the Workbench to, to see that and open up some utilities, open up the say program or whatever they want to do. Um, so for convenience, I do use that. For me personally, though, on, on the software side, I'm perfectly happy with the, the blues and the whites and the oranges of Workbench 1.3. Mm -hmm. I don't even customize it to sexy colors like Chris said he likes mm -hmm. to do on his. I, I just like that original default colors. Yes, give me more RAM and a compact flash card and maybe a, a faster CPU just so that I can speed things along and use WHD load and drop out of the game and load another game without resetting the whole machine. Um, but even the tank mouse, I'm happy with the tank mouse and, and, and that because I'm never sitting down and using these machines to be productive. I'm using them for a quick blast of nostalgia. So that's all important to me. Um, I don't want to think, whoa, it's 2022 and look at what I can make an Amiga do. I can make it look really modern on the surface. I, I want to be thinking, man, I would be so excited if I had this in 1990 and it's realistically possible that I could have had this if I had a great big pot of money to buy all the upgrades I needed. This was a thing back then. It was just out of my reach financially. So that's how I like things to be. Um, and we're talking about some different things here because in the C64 example you're talking about, you're talking about a modern OS that's been made for it that is uh, probably like nothing else that we could have had back in the day on the C64, multi-windows and things like that, you know, we just had the ready prompt. Um, yes, okay, on a one to eight, you might have got CPM for it and things like that. But this is a very modern thing. Whereas on the Amiga, you know, Workbench was a thing from day one. Um, so you could tweak that. Um, and even through the PC days, 
I very quickly got fatigued with trying to make Windows look different and trying to add lots of add-ons on. For for decades now, I've always been a default kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> keep my workbench, keep keep my desktop clear, keep it simple. Um, I'm even a Luddite now to the point where I use Classic Shell to keep the start menu how I like it and not the modern Windows-based start, you know, the Windows start menus that come with it, mm. which which contradicts what I just said about being a default guy. I'm in the default of 20 years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where I am. Um, mm. And I just have to accept that I'm a complete Luddite on that front now. Yeah, I, I do agree with what you say about about chasing the the luxury experience from 1990 not the not the what it would be if it was made in 2022 experience i think the mm. the idea of, of adding a hard disk onto your amiga or atari st um or having a second drive on my cpc and uh, all those all those kind of things there the, the proper official monitor and so on those are the, those are the, the things i want to do or in fact the orpheus 2 the orpheus 2 doesn't have anything that our old PCs could not have had because mm. we could have had a Gravis ultrasound. We could have had a, a real um, sound blaster without the, the, the DOS drivers. We could have had the OPL3. So we could have had all that. Um, and we, we would need the, the better sound equipment and so on. But it, it's, it was possible. So it, it's, it's, for me, it's about creating the kind of the what would happen if my dad was rich uh, back in 1990. I should add, by the way, Dave, sorry, I should add, you know, this is our tradition of having a correction in the show. Um, I mentioned running CPM on the C64, oh, but it just occurred to me, you you do need a Z80 processor to run CPM. So you had to have a cartridge with a second processor in to do that on the C64. Um, I'm sure anyone else uh, can comment. I, I'd love to know what alternative OSs there were for the C64 in the comments. So any listeners that want to contribute, let us know, um, other than the one that appears when you turn it on and says ready. So going back to the original story about the C64, I think it does make the C64 more usable. And I'm wondering if I'll end up upgrading my C64 to add more memory and a flash disk and so on, because there is an enormous library of games with the C64. It was properly active in selling from 92 on, so 82 onwards, until it was discontinued in 1994. I know that by 1994, the commercial life of games had, had petered off a little bit, but there was hundreds of thousands of games, hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands, <laughs> um, hundreds and thousands of games across the lifetime of it. So I think got to be more than any other 8-bit system. So there are so many games. So the, the C64 is is may, may, maybe that C64 the is PCs just now will end up. Spectrum will give it a run for its money in the number of titles. Not necessarily the quality, but the number. But they're diff- there's, a, there's a big difference. I feel there's a difference between Spectrum and C64 games. Uh, C64 had all the, the, the hardware to help it, but Spectrum had a, a, a bit more... Raw, a bit more raw power than the. Oh the no C64 doubt, but if we're talking about the quantity of games available, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. up there. Yeah, yeah, um, but I, I don't know that this project doesn't seem to be aimed at that at all. Uh, doesn't seem to be aimed at, at creating a a, a a launch system for um, to make things easier for C sixty four games. But if people start using it that way, maybe it'll catch on. Maybe if it gets popular, it'll end up the same way that. Um, we, we do with PP on, on, on the ST and WHD load of games on the, the Amiga. And we may well be just overanalyzing this. This was a project that someone wanted to do. They started in 2016. Yeah. They've achieved what they wanted to create and said, look, this is possible. Would you believe it? Yeah. 
that, that yeah. so that's all that matters really isn't it <laughs> they've achieved their yeah. goal and we can all look in and see it and go cool that's nice yeah Time now for last week's community question of the week from episode 85. And just a reminder, the question was, what video game music do you think is excellent but just happens to be attached to a less than stellar game? So we're looking for great music on average or poor games. Where can we find unexpectedly good video game music? Maybe include a link if it appears on YouTube so we can all have a listen. So uh, Dave, do you want to read out the first and top answer here? Yeah, so the first one is from Protech438, and he says a prime example would be the in-game music by Martin Galway in Miami Vice, the Commodore 64. You could spend hours listening to those Sid tunes that adapt the original Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer. I love the original Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer. Mm. I've not heard the C64 implementation, so... Do you think that would get us a copyright strike? I think it might do. Probably would. <laughs> well, maybe, Duncan will find Duncan out. Can... If it doesn't, you'll hear two, it now. Two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> if it does, the link is right there on the community question of the week, so you can go and have a, a listen to it. Um, that, that's a good shout. But, uh, you know, Martin Garway starting from a strong foundation there with mm. uh, the, the Jan Hammer tune. That's lovely. I'll have to have a listen and see how, how much he's adapted it. Um, the next answer comes from Krill's. Uh, Krill's underscore the underscore is important in the name there he says uh, I love video game music and I think the best places to look aren't necessarily in poorly received games but rather in the hidden gems of a console's library and oftentimes so answer a different question then <laughs> yeah he said he said screw your question guys I'm going to answer it the way I want to and oftentimes I think it's in the largest libraries where the most gems are lurking since the deluge of software releases during the console's lifespan naturally make it easier to let smaller or lower tier releases slip through the cracks. Fair comment. The PS1 and PS2 are great examples given the breadths of their respective libraries as well as the large amount of exclusives that never left Japan. I never tire of scouring those Japan-only releases for some musical surprises. One soundtrack that I discovered a few years back and still enjoy playing to this day, okay, we're nearly there, we're nearly getting to an answer to the question, <laughs> um, is the Japanese exclusive PS1 game Is called... this your story of the week, Joe? Is this your article? <laughs> okay, they've picked a game, I'm going to just massacre the pronunciation, a game on the PS1 called Kaze no Notum. Sure. Yeah. Kaze no Notum. The game itself Are you Japanese? is a hot air balloon simulator. <laughs> and while I haven't played or ever owned a copy myself, it's on my list to one day experience, undoubtedly. From the footage I've seen online, it's as quaint and laid back and uh, it's got a low poly aesthetic. Stop giggling, Dave. It's, got a, it's all about a hot air balloon ride. But as mentioned, it's the very relaxed, a bit jazzy and 90s groove of a soundtrack that's worth your time. There's a link there posted to the OST for anyone else who wants to enjoy the gentle, groovy, laid-back, jazzy sounds of a hot air balloon ride on the PS1. I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> um, click on the link. Should we click on the link yeah, and have a quick have listen a quick to listen. that? I'm thinking that's kind of music in a hot air balloon, nice and relaxing. Yeah. It looks, the cover art looks like the cover of Coral Draw. It does. Of the PS1. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that, that, you know, there's a bit of sort of pilot wings, jazzy yeah, vibes to yeah, it. That works. Nice. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you want to read out the third answer? Yeah, I'm going to just move there on the screen. To the side, thank you. Right, so the last answer this week is from Guy Brush Loves Tesla. 
sure. Um, for me, some of the music coming from J- Japanese arcade publishers, Sega and Taito, was amazing. They had their own in-house bands, SST band, Sega and Zantana. Zantata? Zantata? Zantata. You're asking me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, who became so popular that they even performed live shows. Two of my favorites would be uh, the song Daddy Mulk from the Ninja Warriors. <laughs> who names this? <laughs> is this? Is this answer a setup here? <laughs> the game was not amazing, but I was happy to keep shov- shoveling coins into the OK cabinet just to hear the song. It was a few years later that the Spectrum magazine... More I, mold, I had... Daddy. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'd come and take with gay music uh, on... Uh, that was one of the songs. Many years later, I discovered that the live performance of the song on YouTube. <laughs> Did you guys put this in here? I'm going to skip past Daddy Mulk. There's a link to Daddy Mulk in there. <laughs> <laughs> that, am I missing a joke here? I don't uh, think we're missing it. Am I missing a joke? <laughs> <laughs> you say Daddy Moak today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not in the history of my life. Oh, Stop dear. seeing it. And I've been, I've been telling family and friends about this podcast I'm, <laughs> I'm involved in. They should really tune in and have a listen. Oh, oh dear. Right. Okay. I'm going to skip past the rest of the talk about that. Magical Sound Shower from Outrun. Fantastic choice. Well done. But not a bad game, though. So that kind of misses the point of the question. Good. Are we done? Outrun doesn't really, doesn't really count. <laughs> it doesn't. No. Because it's a good game. Ninja and, Warriors and wasn't music. a bad game either. I guess it depends which port you were version. Oh, dear. Yeah, port, port you were playing. I didn't hear this question last week, uh, but um, Kelly X, which I think I've mentioned before, terrible, terrible game. Fantastic loading music on the Amiga. Um, yeah, cool. There we go. Right, so Dave, uh, why don't you <laughs> tell us <laughs> what the question of the week is for this week? Yeah, so this week's question of the week is, what can you put in a Reddit comment that will have us in tears <laughs> from a out? <laughs> So this week's question is, we've talked this week about the Orpheus 2 and also about um, peripherals and add-ons and upgrading your, your C64 and we touched about the, the Amiga and Atari ST. What's the dream peripheral that you never had back in the day that you'd love to have now? Mm, good question. So uh, can you give us some examples, Dave? Mm. Have you got one in mind that you would have liked? So the, the one that um, the one the one that you actually ended up having, I know that you told us about, is the the, the sidecar addition oh. to your Amiga that had mm-hmm. the the CD ROM in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the A five seventy. Yeah, um, for me, for the Atari ST, it would have been a hard drive. Um, they were eye-wateringly expensive back in the day. I had no chance of getting the hard drive, the mega file for the Atari ST. Mm. Awesome. Right. So that question of the week will be up on our subreddit, which is at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can also submit any news stories that you might like us to talk about. Uh, You can see last week's question of the week with the links to those songs, including Daddy Milk and um, anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just wanted to set Dave off again. And uh, we appreciate all the contributions that you make over on the subreddit. And uh, look forward to reading the stories. And we will be back again next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Chris and I are off to enjoy the cave for the rest of the day. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.
So the, this week's question of the week is, do you think Dave is really a Scottish or is he really a German pretending like Chris? I didn't see that until now. Did you type that in, Neil, as we were talking there? Yeah, uh, no, I typed it in this morning because you had a, an equally stupid one in there earlier. Can't remember what it was. <laughs> this week in retro was presented by Neil from RMC the Cave, Chris from 005 Agima, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. Podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.